It's Methodist. Uh, Vineville Methodist. Okay. Uh, pie chart, you're good. Uh, you, you've got about 500 members in your congregation. You have the church building and you have uh, an, an adjacent building with, with classrooms. And you have, during the week, you have a small school co-op with maybe 10 kids. It's a really old building. It's probably 100 years old. And I found out that you've got eight pieces of equipment from my pre-research. Probably a little bit light on the equipment from that much of what we're talking about. 500 people is probably going to be a little bit more. You've got 18 pieces. There you go. <laughs> I just know that that's going to be really, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, winging it here. Yeah, so. Really so. All right. So have you done all the research and everything? So whatever you say, I'll go with it. Now, okay. Eight building survey. Cool. Action plan. You did great laying it out. Pastor. It's great to meet you, Corey. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, so we're going to talk about systems. And the goal here is to see if we can help you take some of what you're already spending and redirect it into some other areas of the church. I'm sure you have a budget. And you, are you planning anything new this year, next year? That you I mean, just our normal missions that we normally do. Missions, okay. So if we were to find some extra money and you were to put it towards missions, would that be of interest to you? What are you talking about? So in this process, we're going to help identify some areas we might be able to help you take advantage of. So instead of spending it on the operating, we help eliminate that, and you'll be able to redirect it to another part. I'm going to stop you real quick. You ain't even going into who I am or anything like that. Like, you haven't even talked about the agenda. You're already going into this right here. Right. I'm, I'm getting way ahead of yourself. Way ahead of your skills. So, it's hard yeah, listening yeah. to them yeah. and what's going on and trying so, to so, so just remember have your little sheet right of what you want to do just keep your own plan right first thing i want to do is before before is not knowing hey what do you like to do before is hey babe so so you're the pastor here is there any other duties that you you, you do here? like you want to understand their process right you want to stand with who that person is there. and then you want to get into that you want to talk about literally stay on track with the book right? you want to talk about well, my agenda really is here because you already went to a solution. Like, what if I can give you some money back? Well, you don't even know yet. Stick to the process. That's why it's there, and it will help you every single time. All right, let's start again. <laughs> pastor Corey, thank Hi, you for your time. I appreciate meeting you. So as well as being the pastor, is there any other functions that you perform here at the church? Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of do it all. Um, you know, we, we with COVID and all that, we just didn't have the funds for... Um, keeping a lot of staff on full time. Um, we do have volunteers, but I got a lot on my plate. So I mean, I'm pretty much doing everything right now. Wow, that's a lot on your shoulders. It is. So tell me, you mentioned COVID. How did that affect your operations here? Oh, uh, it was it was pretty rough. I mean, um, you know, when we first got it, um, you know, pretty much, you know, the government kind of really shut everything down. Like we couldn't have people in our congregation. We, we, we basically started doing more of a, like an online. So I would basically do a sermon um, because we didn't even have equipment to videotape, do a sermon and, and post it on YouTube. And we, did you have existing equipment to do a live? We, we didn't have any of that. Where did that come from? We had, we had to go out and buy that type of equipment. Wow. So. What did that do to you? Um, it was pretty expensive. So. Wow. 
So they weren't coming in. You were doing a, a live stream. How did that affect your your contributions, the tithing? How, how did that? Oh, actually, tithing went up. Um, so our budget wow. was really, really well, um, and it helped pay us pay for a lot of stuff that we needed. Because honestly, I mean, even in my own household, we couldn't go do anything. So the money we would spend going outside or going out to dinner and all that, we didn't. So we just put it towards the church, and our tithing is going up in the last two years. Well, that's interesting. I, I work with several churches. I work with uh, Vineville Baptist up the road. I can share with you what we've been able to do with them, but they, they've had a different experience from COVID, so I'm, I'm glad that yours was positive in a sense that your, your tithing went up. That's, that's amazing. So uh, this is this is the agenda I want to cover today. This is basically just to keep us on track, and this is a two-way conversation. I'm not here to do a flipbook presentation. So questions or anything is is a hot button for you. Stop me, ask questions, and we'll get into it. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about some challenges and trends that we've identified that churches are going through, and see if they are reflective of what your facility here is going through. We're going to talk about two different operating strategies that we've come in contact with and how each one works and what are the benefits of them. Uh, offer some proven results if we get to that point where you find some interest. I can share with some other, like I said, Bible Baptist, what we've been able to help them do. And then if all that makes sense to you, we'll talk about a process of implementation specific to your facility. Does this sound good? Okay. So challenges and trends, these are things that churches like yourself are encountering. One of them, the main one is increased focus on, on outsourcing. They don't have, uh, a lot of churches don't have a maintenance staff. So they have to hire somebody to come in and take care of their facility. Do you, do you, you said you do everything. Do you handle all the... Uh, pretty much, uh, it's right now, it's volunteers and myself. So as of right now, um, I'm pretty much doing it all are you doing any regular preventative maintenance on your system what do you mean you know like changing filters no, no 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 so i'm not really i have a i have some people in my congregation that know hvac side of it okay uh, and they're coming in um you know on their own time and really helping us out so do you know? I'm, I, i'm providing with the the, the the filters and all that and they're changing yeah. out do you know how frequently they're doing that um, I want to say quarterly, but I'm not 100% okay, sure. You're not sure. Do you know if they're doing anything other than the filters? Do they give you like a report or a summary of what they do no, each time no, they come? You know, basically they're just coming out here, changing the filters, and just kind of making sure the equipment's not broken. If it's running, you know, that's pretty much all they're doing right now. Are you have, have you had any issues over the past year with your equipment? Um, you know, for, for the first year um, during COVID, really didn't have a big con congregation. Right, you so, had mentioned that. The, um, so really didn't have any issues because we really didn't run the equipment. Uh, we just started back up when we started letting people in. And we had a couple of issues. I mean, I guess sitting there for a year and not really being run. We did have some issues that we had to work through and, and get up and running. So. Were there any repairs? Or yeah, yeah, we, we, we did. We had we had a few, um, I would say, minor repairs and uh, like a one major repair. So um, some, some minor stuff. We had a number of different belts that were, that were broken that we had to get up. And did you have that in your budget? Did you plan for that? Or how did, how did you pay for it? Uh, no, I mean, we, we had money to, to pay for it. So. So, okay. So you had a budget. All right. Does anything here stick out to you? Ask another question. I got to listen to what I said and go talk on it. I said a couple minor and a major. You said you had some minor and some major repairs. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, so, yeah, so so the major side of it is that we really had to replace a piece of couple, couple of pieces of equipment that just wasn't uh, operating like it should be, and it was just going to cost so much to, to fix it that we decided that it was best to, to replace them. And how old, do you know how old they were? Um, I want to say one was like 12 and the other one was like 15 years old. 12, 15 years old. And do you remember what that cost you? Um, top of my head, I think combined a little over forty thousand dollars. Wow! And had you planned for that this year? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Where'd the money come from? Um, again, we tithing was up, so and we didn't spend as much, so we we had some money here to to utilize it. Obviously, we uh, we didn't want to, but you know we felt it was the best need of the church. So. Well, that, one of the areas that we're going to talk about is regular preventative maintenance may have been able to prevent something like that from happening so that you wouldn't have had to spend the $40,000. Let's say you didn't have to spend that. What would you put that into? Um, you know, we, we do a lot of mission trips. So, mission trips. Yeah, so okay. we would probably put that money towards missions. That would have been great. Yeah. Anything else here stick out to you that you, you guys are dealing with? Um, you know, I mean, our energy... Um, energy went up, but that, I think that was really because of COVID because we didn't really have, um, you know, anybody coming in for the first year. And then when we went back up the second year, our energy So year to year, you spend more energy. And, that, and that's typical, and that's what we're finding. But the EPA says that 30% of the energy use in buildings like this is used inefficiently. I'm not saying that's what you guys are doing, but if we were able to identify maybe, maybe even a 10% energy usage, that we, that we could help you recapture. Would that be of interest to you? Maybe you could put that towards mission. I'm always looking for ways to save. Do you know how much you spend on energy? Mm, I'd have to look at the budget. I really don't. So don't do you? So you said you do everything. Do you you handle all the finances too? Do you pay all the bills? Oh uh, no, my wife I mean, she she handles that side of it. Okay. <laughs> and what's her name? Shelly. Shelly. I should know that already. I should have asked you. Okay, so let's talk about the building. So you see, you see this iceberg here? This is the full life cycle of building. Your building's already 100 years old, so the typical life cycle these days is about 60 years. So you're, you're making yours last a really long time. But when it was built, the design and construction is only about 15 to 25%. The rest of it over the course of the life of the building is 75 to 85%. ASHRAE, which is a group of really smart engineers, says that that cost is made up from these eight different categories. We've already talked about some capital and some major repairs that you've had. You're going to show me what the energy bills are. You're the in-house staff. Now, you don't pay yourself to do it, but it's taking you away from doing other things. So there is a cost associated with it. And you said you don't have contracted services that you're paying for, that somebody in the church is doing it? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically we have a volunteer that comes Okay, here. so what we're going to show you from ASHRAE is that there's a certain amount of regular preventative maintenance that if it's done properly will help the system last longer. So, uh, you ever get a nail in your tire? Okay, so you know you got to get fixed right away, and it's about what, fifteen or twenty bucks? I don't know. Where are you going after? It's like forty simple, bucks for me. Simple <laughs> flat fix guy over here making. So it, it, this is what happened to me. I got a nail in my tire. I knew I had to get it fixed, but it was a busy week, so I put it off. Thursday came. I still put it off. Friday, the wife and I were headed out to dinner. The tire blew. It cost me a rim, a tire, and a tow. 
Instead of the 20 bucks, I had to spend $400. That's what we're talking about. A deferred maintenance costs more down the road than taking care of it up, up front. What our process does, it helps do the regularly preventative maintenance so that we can avoid some of these unexpected expenditures that keep your budget more level than, than, than jagged. So in terms of operating strategies, you're talking about your budget being like this. You have a, 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 an idea of what, what it's going to cost you to keep this place running during the course of the year, but something happens. You, you blow some, some equipment and boom, now your budget's shot for the year. And as you go throughout the year, you're reacting to things that are happening instead of being proactive. Our goal with the process that we have is to get you on a proactive budgetary strategy for handling the operating systems here and this blue area in, in between is what we call an opportunity that we can help you to recapture and redirect to maybe missions or if you're going through an expansion not extra money but money that you're already spending on your budget that we're going to help identify if you're able to share all these costs with me uh, 12 months of bills for energy, whatever the contracted services are, even if you're not paying for it, what they're doing so we can see if it's up to the standard so we can set a benchmark for your system compared to what nationally is out there and see where you're at. See if you're at the benchmark, if you're below it or above it, and if you're below, we can help you get to a better place with your energy use. Does that make sense? It does. So, I mentioned the process a couple times. It's five steps. Today we're talking about the concept. Just what you're going through, what it costs for your business compared to others, and then getting that operating expenses of 12 months of, of bills for all those different eight categories that Ashray put together. Once you share that with me, I'll come back and do an assessment of your equipment. I'll actually come in my jeans and my boots. I'll probably go up on the roof into some of the the mechanical room, take pictures of the equipment. We'll go back and put that into our system of analytics. And what that'll do is it'll spit out a, a analysis of your complete system. And it'll be able to help us create a benchmark for you so that we can see where you're at with your system and find out if there's some solutions that we can provide. And then we'll sit down and talk about that together to try and find one that works best for you. And if it does, well, the implementation process is where I bring in the contract, we sign off on it, and I introduce you to the team that will go ahead and implement that process. And then 90 days later, we'll come back and we'll evaluate what we've done and make sure that we've done everything that we promised that we've done moving forward. Does that sound good to you? Yes. Great. So, would tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock be good for me to come back and do the evaluation on the equipment? Sure. And the operating costs, all those eight categories of bills, can you get that for me today? Or would you have to? I, I have to get with Shelly, and she's out this entire week. She's out this week. All right. So, I can't really do anything until I have that. So, what day next week would be good for me to come in, meet with her, get that information, and then do the... I would say, you know, we're off on Mondays, um, you know, because we're always working on Sundays. So right, right. I would say let's let's maybe meet up on 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Tuesday, 10 o'clock. Perfect. I'll be back down with my jeans. See you then. All right. So, after... I didn't pull any of the tools out that I wanted. I just asked a question. After this page. Right here. Uh -huh. After this page, how much challenges? How much talking did I do? Not much. I, I controlled that page. 
This page, how many talking? How much talking? I know exactly how much talking I did on this one. None. One word. Yes. How much talking did I do on this? Did I do on this one? You, you, you're just like me. I talk fast and I go through. I actually have to force myself to slow down. Yeah, that's when what it, they keep telling me. Because I talk real fast, and what happens is I'm so excited, right? And I want to get all this information out, but I'm not asking the questions. I'm not going to. So I would say for you, slow down, right? Don't take this as an insult. It feels like a, you're selling me something, right? Slow down. Have a conversation. It should be like this. And most of my conversation is going to be in this tone of voice. What I do is when I see, what? wait, you had a $6,000 compressor that went out? Man, tell me how that affected your business. Like, that's when I'll, like, really get excited. But most of my, it's just a conversation. We're so busy at China. I got to get all this information out. No, no first appointment is going to be exactly right. You're going to forget stuff all the time. It's going to happen. There's no reason why you can't come back to it, right? Don't don't feel like you just pressure to get all this information. It should be a conversation. So when you go in there, I never talk about volume, right? You talk about what if there's the reason why I don't because what if there's something they know and I can't answer, right? I want them to ask me. I don't want everybody to So I don't talk about myself, right? Hey, today. Anthony, I just really wanted to understand what y'all doing at the facility and, and see if there's a solution that I can help you with that I've worked with other churches in this neighborhood, right? So today, I really just want to have a conversation. So let me ask you a question. What is your role there? I know you're a pastor. I know your wife, Shelly. Um, she, she does some part-time work with you. I know y'all do a lot of different missions. I've done kind of my research. I know the size of the building, about how big the congregation is. But tell me, what do you currently do outside of pastor roles there? So you start having that kind of, that's your rapport building, right? Is it okay to take notes during that? Oh, heck yeah. yeah you can take I won't notes. remember I'm, that. Stuff. I'm not a note taker. I cannot do it. My mind does not work. It just doesn't. See, I can't work. remember stuff while I'm presenting. But, but you want to start, understand your audience. What if you walk in and there's three people sitting there and I made an appointment with just you and there's two other people? Am I going to go in there and start talking about this or I'm going to find out who my audience is, right? So find out. Have that conversation. Right? Just who you are. Hey, what's your name again? Jim. What, what do you do for the church? I cut the grass. I change the filters. I paint the building. Fix the toilets. Is that all like a full-time job or is it? do you do it volunteering? Yeah, I'm on staff here. Okay. How long have you been here? I've been here about three years. Okay, as a as an employee, or but what about the church itself? Are you are you a member here? Uh, we're members. Yeah, we okay. were members about ten years. And okay. Then last three years, he, they brought me on board. Okay. Did you you have a did you retire? Is this, uh, yeah. Why did you take? Yeah, I'm an old mechanic. I, I retired. I'm yeah, a local see, mechanic. See, yeah. see, now I'm starting to get. Guess what? Already now, he changed the filters. He already told me that. But he also does everything else. So guess what I'm going to ask when I get to that, right? Hey, Jim, you talked about changing the filters. Do you do anything else out here? Like, then I'm starting to have that conversation, right? I just picked up. I care less about the lawnmower and all that. But I picked up he changes the filters. I'm going to use that later, right? What's your name? 
Okay, what do you mean you manage the food bank? So we have a bunch of volunteers that come in and we have a truck that goes around to some of the local grocery stores to pick okay. up with some uh, nearly expiring food. Okay. Uh, we put all that together and we set up a station and then um, some of the community comes in, picks up a grocery bag or two and some other items that they might need and um, we just service the community. Okay, man, I, 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 I applaud you for, for doing that. I applaud the church for doing that. I, I mean, has there been an increase for need? I mean, I know with this economy the way it is. Yeah, like just with the inflation and, you know, kids now they're getting out of school and money's a little tight for a lot of families. So, so, so how are y'all purchasing the food? Is it mostly donations? No, it's or? all donations. Okay. It's all donation. Okay. We've been just built relationships with uh, some of the local grocery stores, like I said, and, okay. you know, they want to contribute the best that they can. Okay. So we just make sure that we get uh, everything that we can and set up shop. And sometimes we get rid of all the bad produce before we actually set up the stations. And just what, what about, like, you said you deliver the, the, the food out there. Are, are y'all responsible? for like the vehicles going out there and delivering food yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so I have so. two crews. We have two trucks. Um, and then, so let's send out two crews that go out in the early in the morning, pick up everything, and then they could just bring it all back. Then we have our volunteers take it off the truck, sort it all out. Um, like I said, they dispose of the bad produce. Then we set up shop. Okay. So, so has the rising cost of energy, I mean, the gasoline, has that really affected y'all on how y'all doing business? Yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. This is something that we got to do, and so we just try to, you know, work together and just make sure that it gets done, and, you know, sometimes got to suck it up. Well, again, I applaud y'all for what y'all doing, uh, and, and my hat's on to you. So, so Anthony, you, you'd said that you're the pastor here, and I know we talked about your wife, um, you know, um, over the phone a little bit, because I said who I called first, and she said, really, you're the person I need to conversation. But walk me through what you do uh, outside being a pastor here. So Shelly and I oversee the operations of the church, uh, kind of from a business sense. So all the budgetary concerns that come up during the course of the year and match that up to what we plan for. And sometimes we have to go into our reserve or try and raise money for things that are large. Okay. I mean, how long have you been the pastor now in this location? And how's the congregation going? Has it been growing or that you have had a decline? Over the uh, we've been here for eight years, and over the past three years, we've uh, grown 25%. Oh, wow. So wow. We've increased the, the number of people that are coming in. During COVID, when, when it was out, we had to go live stream, and now we're back for okay. about a year. So uh, it, it's growing again. How's the facility holding up with that such of an increase of personnel? Well, you know, the energy costs went up because we were out. Not many people were coming in and they would come back in. So uh, energy costs went up. But I haven't really compared it to this year versus 2019. That would be an interesting so, so how big is your, your congregation now? It's about 500 total now. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I did kind of my research on this building. It's about 100,000 square foot. I mean, you're probably at capacity right now. I mean, is there any room that you're looking to maybe expand later down? Uh, that's one of our goals. To, to maybe open up a, se a second campus. Okay. All right. Do you, do you, have you even started the planning process? Right now it's in the dream stage. Okay. We, we, haven't really, <laughs> we haven't really done the work to make it happen, okay. um, but we probably should. Okay. Well, well again, I, I definitely appreciate y'all meeting with me. You know, my, my job here is really just to see if there's an opportunity to both can work on together. So what I have here is just a flip. Now, you see what I did? So I, I kind of talk and got really engaged in what they're doing, but I'm asking questions for a reason. So see how it applies. How does that apply to this right here? 
right? You're, you you change filters out, right? You do all this other stuff. Well, I know, well, wait a second, what if I can give you some time back? What if you're not the person that could be should, should be doing the HVAC, right? So I can have that conversation. Ask about fuel costs, right? Well, what if I can give some money back? I know, hey, I know you're getting a lot of donations, rising costs there. What if there's some money that I can find to help you pay for that? So I ask questions based off of where I want to go in this book. So it's that's why we talk about rapport building. Understand who your audience is and truly understand who they are. Now, I have a lot of experience of dealing with a church, right? That's number two in our client base is dealing with that. What's number one? Surgery centers? No, no, no. Number one is industrial. Industrial manufacturing. Uh, and then after that, it goes to office space. And after that, it's medical side of it. So. But I, what I did there is I understand it where y'all at so when i have this conversation i'm not just going to talk to you i'm going to talk to all of y'all because there's a reason why y'all sitting here does that make sense that's the rapport building side of it if you don't take anything know who your audience is well what if y'all two are on the board right and guess who you need there's six people on the board right there's six people on the board who do you need on that board to make a decision six no what's his title the Three, four, no. Chairman, you need two. Typically, they're going to have a person that everybody listens to, right? Right? And then they're going to have a person that understands what he says and agrees with it. And then typically, that's how the decision makes. Now, they're going to have a conversation, but I can promise you, I'm, I'm an A personality type, right? If I'm going to be part of a board, I'm going to have a voice in it, and people are going to hear what I got to say. And most time, people listen to me. It's just who I am. Typically, boards are like that. It's not always, I got to win all the boards. Well, guess what? There's four people, five with you. We all have different personalities, right? My personality might not message you. So I don't need to win your vote. But I got to figure out who you are and bring somebody that messes with you. I got to win two people on that board to really get this thing going. So that's what we're talking about. Understand who your audience is. Ask those questions. After that, it allows you, hey, you know, my job was really to come in and just kind of talk about your facility, see what's going on. So what I have is your flip book. And really, it's just, it's just an agenda of what we're trying to accomplish here. And just have that conversation. Does that make sense? So if it is a board of six people, well, it, it, and you find out that they're the ones that are going to make the decision, yep. not the pastor and his yep. wife, at one, what point do you pivot to where those board hey, members need to be present I, excellent excellent question there so if i find out that. if i you won't know that when you walk in the door right you won't know how they make decisions so you got to have a concept when you somebody but what you will find out is who that is and then you can say hey my next step is the meeting with a couple people on this board so what i'd like to do is do another one of these it'll be condensed version but just a couple people on the board let me ask you a question y'all have a president of the board like, you can start asking those questions and then go back and do another first appointment. Because what? If I get them involved on the front end, I don't have to play catch up on the back end. I don't have to I have an hour to go over a verification. Well, then I got only 30 minutes because now I've got to educate them why we even went through this process. So you can do that over and over and over again. Just understand who you talk to and go back. So would you actually do the complete flip book if you find out that there are other decision makers. Heck yeah, I'd go back and have. Would you ever ask, "Hey, is it possible to get them into this meeting?" Heck I mean, yeah. it sounds like it won't be. 
because if they're yeah, board yeah, hey, members, they're probably not on site. You, you don't know. You can ask that question. Hey, and when he said, when you get to that portion, let's just say you have that conversation, you get to that portion, they were like, you know, our decision maker is that I typically recommend something and the board goes there. Great. Who's on the board? How do y'all make those decisions? Matter of fact, is anybody there and that's on the board here, or are they here today that maybe we can sit in and kind of bring them up to speed? Like start being that engagement, right? That's just what you're going to have to do. So if that's a no, how would you continue knowing that you got to meet with them? How would you then so, transition? So he says that, you know, my next step. No, they're not here, but. Okay. So, so really my next step is under, I mean, getting to meet a couple people on the board. I need them to go through this process with me just like you want to go through this process with me so they understand so what, what, what i'm trying to avoid is that well i'm going to come back in a verification i'll get to that later but i want them to understand how we got to that point so i don't have to rehash everything so could we set up a meeting where hey i'll i'll, I'll come and buy lunch if you can give me two of those board members and we can sit down and have a conversation I'll, if you get all six of them perfect and i can chime to a condensed version of that right? you want to be in front of those people so would you then possibly reschedule and, and not do the flip book now? No, no I, I would still go with that person unless that, that person is totally not the person. So I'd shut it down through it and say something like, you know, I'm going to show you what we do, and if it makes sense, I would like to schedule something or I would No, need. no, 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 dude. My next step, my next step is to meet with the board, meet with the board, go through this again, quit, and I'll even buy lunch. Quit asking as salespeople quit asking you tell, tell them, them what to do my next step in this process is you gathering that information now you no, no, no. you said that you're the one that can handle the the invoicing side of it but you're the one that really does the electrical side you know if, if i'm coming out here i'll schedule a time to come out here next tuesday is that enough time for you two to gather that information so i can pick it up like then i'm like i'm already said like don't just push it out there you're controlling this whole process you don't want anybody else control it your GM doesn't control it, your service manager control it, and the customer doesn't control it. You control it, and you make it happen. At what point do we pull out the uh, satisfied proven results with other, other people spreadsheet, or uh, you know, that right. paper so, with so, the, so this is where we haven't Link, talked about that at all. Yeah, Link, Link talks about that. I really don't, in my first appointments, it's just how I personally don't do it. I have conversations, but I never pull anything out of it. It's just a tool that it, it can't it, come out if it needs he, it. He's going to teach you every single tool that you have out there. It's to me, I, I feel it's just a personal, I feel personally better when I just have that conversation because what I'm going to do is guess what? You're going to have meet I'm, them at lunch. I'm going to talk to them about the people I want to be the reference, right? So if I'm talking to a brewery and I got another brewery, that's going to be who I talk about. And I, I may not have a proven results. I might not even have the customer permission to right. give them a proven result, right? Because right? I got to have the customer. So I just have a conversation. Hey, you know, you, you, you know, we, we met about this brewery. I actually went through this process with Mike down the road, um, you know, and, and actually that's how I got your contact information. Told me, hey, you might be a great person to have a conversation with. But let me just kind of talk about what we did. We went through this process with Mike, right? And we identified a lot of wasting money, a lot of things they were doing wrong. And we've come up with a solution um, that was a fixed cost solution for him. And he really bought into it and said, this is really what I want. And since he's implemented, he has been our biggest advocate out there, right? Part of our process is I want you to talk to Mike on that side, right? And then 
you know, hey, once I've done the verification outside of it, really our next step is maybe we can grab lunch with Mike and he can really talk about it. Like, that's just my personal way. Do it whatever way makes you feel. So you said fixed cost solution, you're referring to the Owning operating cost sheet. Mm -hmm. When do you? I always, I tell y'all, I pulled that one out. Last page, we talked about this, this concept. So, so when I, I asked a lot of questions, right? I would ask a lot of questions on that pie chart. I'll pull it out right here. That's what I personally like. A lot of people will pull it out right here, right? I just personally, I want to get through this process and get their true buy-in before I give them homework. Because you don't pull it out there and start filling it out with them? No, I like it better at the end. I like it too because it, it justifies the verification. Because I need this information because I'm coming back here to give, to show so, you. So, so I really, the reason I don't want to do it is I pull this out, right? Say we're sitting in a meeting, right? And I come out here, do a, another example. Say I just sat down with you, right? What's the first thing a lot of people do? Where's that? Hey, I'm Corey, yeah. Vulcan Mechanical. Uh -huh. So what are you going to do? You're going to pick up the car and start reading. I don't like that. I don't want them to be distracted from what I'm my conversation. Is. So that's why I don't do it. I, you know why I don't do that? Because I did that in my role play when I first got hired. I gave everybody all these things, and guess what they did? They flipped to the last thing, and they started reading. They really wouldn't pay attention. I want them engaged, and it's the reason why I just feel better on my side. Do whatever feels good for yourself. I like doing it out here because, hey, my next step in this process is filling this information out, right? This, this owning and operating cost. Now, you said you were the guy that can grab me this information, right? And you said, like, I start, because I already got the buy-in. They already told me that. And then I come back and say, you said this. I'm going to be here next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Is that enough time for you to have this information? Right, and then I'm going. You'll leave that with them. I don't leave it. I the reason why it's another thing that we do is we send a follow up email. It's a recap of what we just talked about, and we send a follow up email. The reason why I don't leave it because now I have two people that I need to gather information. May have three. Maybe you're not the right person. I just don't. You can leave it. A lot of people do. So would Personally, it be attached on the follow up email? Yes. yes. The follow up email has it always attached. Has that document? Yep. Always attached. And then that way, if it's they got to email it to somebody, it's already there. It's just What's a the follow up email say. Hey, 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 hey! I appreciate you meeting with Tommy and I um, today. I really enjoyed um, learning about your church. Per our conversation, the the attached cost analysis, which you agreed upon. Um, to, to, to fill out and grab me the information. I'm going to send you a calendar right, right after this email that's going to uh, you know, basically schedule next Tuesday at 2 o'clock uh, to walk through our process. If you have any problems or any questions in the meantime, please feel free to contact me on my cell phone. And that's it. Great. We, we, we tailor it to our conversation. Right. Maybe maybe he talked about... It's very custom. Yeah, maybe he talked about submissions or something like that. We'll, we'll tailor our message to that. And then that's just really it. So um, be honest with you, I don't, re I don't write a lot of them because I have already have a lot of templates that I've done over the past. Right. So if I had a church, I'd just go pull a church template, tailor it to them, and just send it to them. It's just, again, we're only talking about how we do it. There's a number of different ways to do it, but if you stick to the process every single time, any other questions on the concept meeting that you're kind of stuck on? This takes time. It takes practice. No, practice, 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 practice. I realized that we never get to this back. <laughs> <laughs>
He's got the old. I saw that earlier. Yeah, nobody got this one right here. Yeah. That's on the back page yeah. for you to use if you'd like. So sometimes our link um, franchises have different capabilities. So that's why we don't necessarily oh, have a full uniform one. Some of our link corporations also have plumbing businesses, so you have other facility services. So this is just a back page. I mean, I would get familiar with what's on there, but it's really not part of your okay. content. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. All these are tools, right? Sometimes you use them, sometimes you don't. But, looking at it like a funnel instead of the pages. But I would say, I, in a conversation, whether I, I show them a challenger trend, I talk about it. You know, if I show them agenda, I talk about it, right? I just got to a point where I just don't really pull those out. Really, the first thing I normally talk about is the first visual I'll pull out is this one. I would say for y'all going through this process, stick to the script. But give it where it's not a presentation. It's a conversation. But you have to know this practice before. So what I challenge Tommy on is that for any MSR, and before you go to a customer, I say, challenges, I mean, uh, agenda, talk to me about it. And you have to walk through that process without ever looking at it. All right. You know, challenging trends, talk to me about specific. I'm a church. Talk to me about challenging trends. And you have to walk through the process. Right? The same way on this one. My chart, right? Talk to me about it. Like, you've got to be that good that I can never look down and have a conversation. But I'm also active listening, right? So when I get to this portion of it, right? And we talked about contractor service. Obviously, it sounds like this church doesn't have a contractor service that you're really doing just the maintenance on that side of it. Walk me through the process. Are you doing anything other than filter changes out here? Or are you, are you cleaning the coal? Man, I'm cutting the grass. <laughs> Pulling the weeds, yeah. I ain't got so, time so to do everything. So you're really not doing that side Absolutely. of it. On, covered on the, up. On, on the maintenance side of it. That's true. If there was an opportunity that maybe we can partner up, I can give you that time back, how would that help you when you're, you know, getting everything? I can spend more time on things that make this place look good. Okay. I mean, I know in, in for, you know, dealing with a lot of church aesthetics is the number one reason why people pick churches. So if you can make it look better, I think that's a win for this church here on that side of it. But when we look at contractor service, we're looking at more than just changing the filter. You know, have you ever had anybody come in here like any coals, you know, change out the belts, any of that? Has that any of that happened out here? Like I'm asking that question, and they're like, no. Well, have you had any major repairs like that? Have you had some things that break? Yeah, we did. We had some belts that were replaced, right? I wouldn't ask the question. Well, how much did that cost? You? I would ask that question. I would I would set it different. How did it affect you? And well, what do you mean? Well, you had some belts breaking, so obviously your unit wasn't cooling, and the facility wasn't cooling. So how did it affect you? Well, we had set uh, the service schedule. We actually had to cancel the service. Like that's the better because it's not a big cost, right? The other one, the big cost, right? I'd still ask it. Well, how did that affect you? Right? I always want to know how did it affect them. And then I go on those conversations and more and more. If you're not spending probably 30 minutes on this right here, you're probably not spending enough time asking the right questions. If you go through it like that, good luck. Because then you just present it and you're doing a free survey. I fist bumped you because what's the cost? And you were already, can I come back tomorrow and do an assessment? Well, you hadn't even got the cost yet. So I'd have got the commitment for the cost. 
but you did a really good job. Well, I can't do assessments. I get the cost, right? Because you cannot cost justify a G solution without cost. It's almost impossible. We can do industry averages, right? But that's industry average. It's not your You gotta be specific to them. You gotta get. You gotta be that person, right? And it's like, well, I just don't know about gathering it. So maybe I didn't explain myself well. Let me kind of back up. The only way I can help you with and find a solution at work here is understanding what's happening at this location. And the only way to do that is gathering this information. So what part of this process, this information, are you really kind of hesitant and not you know, divulging to me? Like, ask those questions. I see you didn't pull the benchmark sheet. What's that? I said, I see you didn't pull the benchmark sheet. Well, why do you guys want to know about the water treatment? I thought you were HVAC. Oh, that, that's a good, good thing. This is more of a generic um, sheet. So I did my research. This does have a chiller here. Well, chillers use water for the most part. So you oh, probably okay. have a closed loop or you might have a cooling tank, right? Or maybe it's just a generic sink. Maybe they don't have it. You guys you do can, water treatment too? No, actually we do not. We partner up with another company and I don't even like for them to go through us. I want them to partner up directly with you because if they go through me, obviously I'm spending time on, I'm gonna have to charge you more. I want to introduce you to that person and they can talk to you directly. He's Why do you want to know about oil and grease? Well, uh, that's a great question. So every single piece of equipment you have out here has a motor on it, right? Mm. You know, every motor has to be greased and, and, and old like it should be. Not only that, there's specific grease for specific motors. And if you put the wrong grease in the wrong motor, you're going to turn bearings and you start having problems there. So if you're, provide, if you're already doing that, I want to know not only what you're spending on it, but what are you buying? What if you're putting the wrong grease and type this motor and it's going to cost you a motor down the road? We have motors that cost over $25,000. Obviously, I don't think this is going to be the case, but what if there's a $5,000 motor because you were doing the wrong type of preventive maintenance? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have no idea what we're spending that, so, or, we're, or what kind of oil and grease that, we're buying. That's why we want to gather that information. But now I'm starting to tell a story, right? He, he questioned me, why do you need to know that? Great question. This is why I need to know that. And then I'm giving him a result of why it's important. Well, well if you don't, if you don't, I mean, I probably wouldn't. Do y'all, I mean, I, I noticed that y'all have a, a chiller here and it looks like to be a closed loop. I mean, I'm not currently getting y'all order treatment here. Like, I'm going to start asking those questions. There's a reason, Dan Shire always taught us this. There's a reason why he's asking the question. Right. And the best response to that is not going, giving him a solution. Understanding why he asked that. That's a great question. Why do you ask that? Right? A lot of times you would be like, why do you need water treatment, right? Well, great. You know, I mean, that's a great question, but let me tell you why, blah, blah, blah. Stop and say, that's a great question. Why do you ask that? I want to understand why, because he asked it for a reason. Well, we got this chiller back here. And I didn't know if you guys did that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I actually did a ride around on your facility. I saw the chiller and saw it was a closed loop on there. So water's pouring that. And typically on the water side of it, um, it want to close loop, you're not using a lot of excess water. That's more like a cooling tire on that. But it's to really understand what you're doing on that side of the water side. But let me ask you a question. Has anybody been treating the water in that closed loop? I don't think so. 
Okay. That may be a red flag, something we're probably going to identify when we go through our assessment side of it. That there may be an issue there. If you're not treating the water like it should be, you could have potential uh, repair costs down the road. Um, to give you an example, water is okay until it freezes or until you get air into it. When you mix air and water, what happens? Rust, right? So now you start having some rust issues. Freezes, you know, bust a coil or something like that. We got to understand what we're doing. So when I'm asking for that, if that's what I want to do, is understand what y'all currently doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just always ask the why and build off of that. Really? But I need to be doing less than fifty percent of the talking. Right? You did a lot of talking, right? But you were asking questions. Right? You did a lot of talking. You, you missed some. You did a lot more talking. Ask questions that you want to get to why. You got to know what the reason why you got to do it. We keep saying that. It's going to make sense when you get to verification. Why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about water treatment? Why am I talking about belts? Why am I talking about, you know, gas prices or, you know, cutting grass? Why am I doing it? Because it makes sense when I bring it all in. I'm asking for reasons. I'm building my case. And when it comes back and I sit this all in front of you and you're like, crap. All right, what do we need to do? That's a good feeling. Because at that point, they're like, I understand that this maintenance contract is not written in my best interest. So when people say, why do you need contractor services? You're going to just base your price on that. No, that's a great question. Why do you ask that? Does that happen in the past? No. So what it sounded like to me, y'all doing a traditional type maintenance. Where, you know, basically a guy comes out here, changes some filters, and you feel good about it. But he's getting reward on every single repair. My solution covers everything. So obviously, I cannot base my price on their solution because it's two different solutions. But what I do need it for, are they not spending enough time here to prevent things from happening? Like, I want to see what they're obligated to do. Better yet, what they're not obligated to. 98% of these HVAC companies have their best interests at heart, right? So they're going to come out here, give you a maintenance agreement. You're going to sign a maintenance agreement. You think it's going to go do it. And every time something breaks, you're going to call me. I would rather I come out doing preventive maintenance the correct way. Nothing ever breaks, and you never call me. Right? That's a good solution for both of us. That's why we're in Mississippi. I mean, Mississippi. We're not, in Alabama, we're the largest HVAC, preventive maintenance HVAC in the state. We provide over $9 million worth of HVAC preventative maintenance in the state. Why do we do that and we have customers over 30 years? It's because we provide a solution to them that makes sense and we're sitting on the same side of the table. And we just had that conversation. So you got to transition from presenting to being a consultant. The only way you can do that is know why you're asking all these questions. Why is energy important? Well, yeah, I need energy because I can benchmark, right? But also, it's a lot of money. They're already spending it. It's going out the door, right? $94,000 is a lot of money going out the door. Is there anything I can recap on that? Clean coils, right? There's a big savings. Thermostats, right? How's the thermostats sit back when they're not being utilized? Or are they overrunning the equipment? Sanctuaries. We did researches where they were turning on the sanctuaries at, you know, 5 o'clock in Saturday afternoon, and it got to temp 
in two hours. Well, why would you do that when you would just do it, set it for that morning? You didn't waste all that energy. Another one people never even talk about. So let me ask you a question. I noticed that you, when I was walking through the facility, everything had a, like a programmable thermostat. Is, is everything set on setback thermostats? Well, yeah, well, great, because I know you're saving. When does all the equipment turn on? Why am I asking that question? Anybody know? Why am I asking that specific question? To find out whether it's something he can do on his phone? No, no. See if there's a person in charge of that. Nope. All commercial buildings get charged peak rates. So in your house, you get charged usage. Commercial gets charged peak rates. Whatever that spike is today is where they get charged at. So all your equipment comes on at one time, your energy bill just spiked. Well, if we found that out, why don't we start staging some of this equipment to come on at different times? So your energy consumption doesn't get peaked all at one time, which saves you money every single day. It's a simple question that saves a lot of money. And nobody sure no one else asks. Nobody's going to ask, wait, hold, wait. My HVAC provider never told me about that. He said, I'm going to save money by saving my service. But he didn't tell you about so Is that what this means here? What time does your startup stop routine? Yeah. Hours of operation? Yeah. Like, you want to know this kind of information because it's money you can help them save. So what would be starting at peak and what would not be starting? So, so let's just say, all right, let's just your say. Your peak is determined based on the yeah, max you use that day. Yeah. So that's so your based peak. on your, well, your peak, peak load was. of energy. Peak load of the energy that day is what you. So how would you change that? All right. So let's just say you had ten pieces of equipment, right? And you're going to help them. Instead of starting all ten pieces at the exact same time, let's start three here, three here, three here, and one here. So then I'm only getting peak at three pieces of equipment coming on at one time. Or maybe I stage them all to come on at different times. When they so start when you, up, they use more energy. So when you, you ever heard the air condition, when it cranks up, yeah. it goes, and then it kind of calms back down? We have a RV camper for a hunting lease, right? It runs off a generator. Every time that compressor kicks on, the thing jumps up way, way high. And then it'll come back down, right? That's what peak use is. Every time that so if you stage each one of those to, come even on if they're eventually all running at the same time, but they don't start at right. the same time, that's... That you keep your peak down. It's like if you have an electric blower and you're blowing your leaves, they say keep it on is better than letting up and going on, letting up, going on, because it, it uses less energy staying on. You know. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Those are simple ways that a simple question can start. Wait a second. My HVAC, that's all I'm trying to do. My that's HVAC was not, not providing me that. My HVAC never told me this. Then it started like, oh, wow, this this does make a lot more sense. It's a good golden nugget there. Yeah. Just things simple as that, you know. We haven't even got into the whole benchmarking a building and, and all that other stuff you can do. This is just the simple basic concept. So anything you can think about on the concept meeting you want to review again? Yeah, I want to go through it all again. <laughs> hey, Drew.